0: This is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Next Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we are offering four conversations from episode six, Louise Campbell's interview with Dr. Tony Rahman, who serves as the director of gastroenterology and hepatology at the Prince Charles Hospital in Brisbane, Australia, and an adjunct professor at James Cook University. Plus, from the vault, conversation 23.5 from season three, in which German patient advocate Achim Kautz and former GLI vice president of policy and public affairs, Andrew Scott, joined Louise, Jorn Schottenberg, and me to discuss what Achim and Andrew consider the two key areas for focusing patient organizing and advocacy. This conversation starts with Louise asking about the prevalence and composition of Australia's fatty liver population, and specifically, she wonders what percent of this group are Aboriginal or First Nation peoples. Tony suggests that while the data is scarce, an ongoing project on diabetes with James Cook University recruited a cohort of First Nations patients, and within that cohort, it was determined that instances of fatty liver disease are, and I quote, moderately high. He expands this focus to the whole of Australia, citing the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare's report that... Prevalence is rising at an alarming rate Estimated from a quarter of the population Now or recently As high as 40% by 2030 More troubling Tony cast doubt even on these numbers Suggesting that prevalence is likely to be much higher already Due to the rates of obesity in the country Continuing on this theme Louise notes that during her most recent visit to Australia She found high liver fat in roughly one-third Of an 80-person cohort She screened for fiber scan That came from relatively high socioeconomic background And considered itself relatively fit and healthy More alarming to her All of the 9% of patients with elevated liver stiffening were postmenopausal women. The remainder of the conversation focuses on a program Tony contributes to called Heart of Australia, which is the country's first mobile medical program designed to deliver specialist services to regional and remote communities. He explains the inception of the initiative and how he's helped to introduce scan as part of its services. And again, this program focuses on roughly 7 million people, 28% of Australia's population, who live in rural or remote areas. The session concludes with Louise commenting on the importance of delivering healthcare solutions to those populations by expanding accessibility services and promoting education on liver health. As you can see in this conversation, Australia combines some of the challenges that we all face, rapidly rising populations, bad food choices, particularly in certain minority communities, with some unique to its own, a very remote rural population and fairly low levels of expenditure. It is interesting to listen to Tony and Louise kick these issues around, think about what they mean in the context of the countries that we live in and Australia as well. So what I suggest you do is just sit back, listen, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the dialogue in our LinkedIn discussion group.
1: Louise Campbell. So Nathald and Nash is now growing and I think
2: you've been
1: saying that it's now the biggest population that you see within your clinics.
2: I, I think without a doubt.
1: But we don't really, I don't get a sense that we actually know how big the population is in Australia or the percentage and we tend to divert to the figures by Janossi, the averages taken over populations. Do you deal with a lot of the Aboriginal population who obviously have high metabolic components and do you get a sense that that's driving some of the, fatty liver population within Australia percentage-wise or is that a different cohort that has a bigger risk or a less risk? Tony
0: Raman.
2: I think that's a very interesting question. It's a very difficult question to answer and it's a very difficult question for me to answer because I think my experience has only been really 10 years in one hospital in one part of Brisbane and what I've come to realise is that I came to Australia thinking well what I'll, I might spend a lot of my time working with the Aboriginal community and trying to help their sort of health care But certainly in Brisbane, my hospital, which is probably about 12 kilometres, 15 kilometres from the city centre, but still within the city boundaries, we actually don't see that many Aboriginal people coming to this particular hospital, despite the fact that the community just beyond us has a large number of Aboriginal people. And so that bit of your question, I can't really answer that based on my personal experiences. But if we then look at the data that is available, which is a little bit limited, we have got some Ongoing projects with James Cook University, which is based in Townsville and in Cairns. And we were doing a little project looking at patients with diabetes. And some of the patients or some of the people in the study were actually recruited from many of the Aboriginal communities. And the incidence of fatty liver disease was moderately high. I couldn't really give you that data with confidence because I think it's complicated by the fact that there isn't much other health data around their other factors that might be influencing whether the fatty liver diseases is really just metabolic or whether there may be other factors involved in in precipitating that. Certainly within the cohorts that we see and the information that we have available, I think the latest sort of general update was from GISA and they were looking at the AIHW data that came out of 2020, which is the health and welfare data that comes, it's it's available online. And I think the estimates were that it was about 20 to 25% of people within the whole of Australia, as opposed to subpopulations. And then. the estimates going up to 2030 were saying that as many as 40% of people. I actually think 25% of people was quite low because if you look at the obesity numbers for Australia, for the UK, for the US, I think the top three countries are those three countries. And I think the estimates are generally that about one third of people in Australia are above the recommended weight. And I suspect that with the recent broadening of definitions going from NAFTA, to muffled. then if you start including people who don't necessarily aren't necessarily overweight, who have risk factors such as high cholesterol or high triglycerides plus diabetes within the maffled category, then I suspect that your numbers will be significantly higher. I personally, when I talk to people, I would say the estimates in Australia are going to be up to 40%, if not more, already. But there's nothing to support that, apart from my own general thinking.
1: Well, I think it's interesting. I did a series of around about eighty. 80- scans here in Perth. Largely higher socioeconomic, largely people have access to fitness and health and would consider themselves relatively fit and healthy. And 33% had high liver fat. So this wouldn't be your normal. Yes, there were some larger than average. And I think Western Australia does qualify as the slimmest state in Australia. (laughs) Queensland second to Tasmania in the highest level of BMIs. It surprised me that it was that high in people that you wouldn't consider predominantly at risk. I think the one thing that I did take away, because of course, these are people who have chosen to look to see if they've got liver health and engaged very well with it. But what concerned me was the 9% who had elevated stiffening and anybody who was extremely high was postmenopausal woman. And obviously, as you suggested there, the more the risk factors, cardiometabolic, diabetes were evident, the higher the level of liver fat. So that didn't surprise me. But going on to some of the figures that were released this year July 22 wasn't it the Australian health figures they concentrated on cardiovascular type 2 diabetes and yet still made the comment that these rates aren't falling in mortality even though the numbers and we're managing it better and i just wonder if that's because we've ignored the liver throughout that elephant in the room. And now I know you go out on a really great initiative, Heart of Australia, which is the... So tell us a bit more about that, because most people won't know about Heart of Australia who are going to listen and how that really buys into how you get liver care and location out.
2: So the Heart of Australia is an initiative that was set up by a chap called Rolf Gomes. And Rolf Gomes is a cardiologist based in Brisbane. And he is essentially set up as a business from the point of view. It's not a charity, but it's a business that he runs and so what he was trying to do was actually take healthcare to regional Australia and again for people who haven't worked here and I was one of those people I didn't really understand the challenges that that entails so within our clinics for example at Prince Charles we'll be seeing people from Cairns so that's two and a half thousand kilometers away they'll come down for a couple of days we've got people from all over Queensland so for people to access healthcare, they have to generally go and travel long distances to see specialists And so what he's done is invested in these double trailers or double semi-trailers, and he's converted them into consultation suites and also a cardiac lab and a sleep lab. And so the first truck, which was called Heart One, basically every month does about 9,000 kilometres on this circuit going through central Queensland. So it'll stop in a small town. The town's GPs will know that this is coming. They'll book up appointments for them to see the cardiologist, to have exercise ECGs done and ECG sleep studies that sort of thing then I joined him in year two and then we started doing clinics and also fiber scans and so that was a great addition but there's only one of me at the moment so I can only do three days every couple of months and now he's up to five trucks so he's now got endocrinologists on board he's got gynecologists on board psychiatrists on board general physicians so now there's a service that actually goes all the way before it was mainly sort of southern Queensland now it goes all the way way up to northern Queensland, covering some of the Aboriginal communities in Palm Island, going up to Mount Isa. And he's also set up, interestingly, a programme that goes to the mines to do mine health checks. So again, in terms of a service that's really quite unique, it's one of a kind. I think he's in consultation. I mean, at some stage, it might be worth you having an interview with him, actually. He's an amazing chap. But I think he's in consultation with the Western Australian government to introduce something similar there. So it's only a very small service from my perspective, but we are do get to see over a period of three days, 20, 30 patients generally who've been referred by their GP. So it's not a walk-in service at the moment. They would have to have a referral to come and see us. But very, very successful.
1: I love that type of initiative. We talk a lot on the podcast of what we can take from healthcare in different regions to apply to particularly third world and middle income countries who do not have access to technologies that we've got now and the future coming medications, which I will come on to shortly. And I think these type of initiatives are huge because you can go around, you can take that out, you can get, I would hope, investment and buy-in because to keep people healthy is the way to save healthcare as well as lives and working families.
0: And now back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page from which you downloaded this conversation or send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We'll be back next week with a discussion of the recently pressed AASLD guidelines and how they relate to the important need to bring frontline providers who treat the patients with diabetes and obesity into this discussion. Until then, stay safe, surf on, we'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now.